Welcome to Crosstalk, the gospel for today and beyond. We are so glad you could join us today. The Crosstalk podcast is in pursuit of growing in our understanding of the gospel and discovering what it means to transfer to the next generation. And now, here are your hosts, Charles and Daniel. Welcome back to Crosstalk. We are continuing in our Christmas special series that we do each and every year in the holiday season. And this special is going to be on the second week of Christmas. So last week we talked about the first week. If you didn't listen to the first week, it might be good to go back and listen to that. Um, but last week was the first, and we talked about this idea of expectation. And in the second week of Christmas, we're going to be discussing joy. Um, so last week... That come now long expected king we talked about uh, and that great Christmas carol uh, that we sing and sometimes don't often think about what we're singing. Um, But we're looking over several passages today, but like we did last week, we looked at several Christmas carols. We're going to do the same thing. We're going to weave our discussion through the traditional carols uh, that we find familiar to draw out some of these biblical lessons that we're looking at. So this week is the second week of Christmas and we're talking about joy. And just jumping in here, really the first thing we see is joy declared. What is joy declared? Well, we um, when we ended last time, we talked about expectation, and we talked about one element of that is desire. Uh, Come thou long expected Jesus, and we uh, and so we see that desire at least in part fulfilled in the birth of Christ, and. um, one of the aspects of the Christmas story, when we read it, if we read it at home to our children, or if we read it ourselves or at church, one of the aspects of that story is joy. We see it in the the wise men who, contrary to many traditions, was were not at the manger, but were at the house, at the home of the small child, probably two years old by this time. We see it in the declaration to the um, – What, the wise men were not with the shepherds? Yeah, and to the shepherds. Yeah. <laughs> no, I said the wise men were not with the shepherds. That's, no, no, no. That's that's. Uh, we'll break some bubbles there, I guess. But right. Burst some bubbles, but declared it was declared angelically, and most of us are familiar with it. Doesn't hurt to rehearse the uh, the message to both the wise men and the shepherds, in particular the shepherds. This angelic uh, manifestation uh, of. Uh, of the truth of the birth of Christ, it was worth declaring in a celebratory, almost heavenly kind of uh, scene. Um, I don't think we could overemphasize what happened with the shepherds when they're on the side of a hill, stinky shepherds, who right. probably were of dubious um, uh, reputation because they weren't clean. They, right. you know, and uh, but for them to be the ones who have it declared to them by the angels is quite a it's quite a, a statement in itself, quite of the you know the Christmas story. So it was angelically declared, and um, then it was personally declared. Not only did the angels declare it, but uh, this joy. But both the shepherds and the wise men found joy, especially the wise men found joy at the home when they found the little child and they gave him the gifts. There was rejoicing in the fact that they had found the one whom the one whom. The angels had declared to them so, and the shepherds who probably were not your um, 
You know, they wouldn't have been their couth kind of right. guys who came to the temple. I'm not saying they wouldn't have gone to the temple, but they would not have been your uh, your cool reformed kind of worshipers. You know, they would have been your <laughs> they were working class guys. You know, right? <clears throat> Probably. Uh, we don't want to take that too far, but they found a great deal of joy in the fact that first they've been chosen mm. to go see this king. I mean, of all things, a king in a manger. And second, the fact that it was just as they had been told uh, when they got there. So so we see joy declared. That's an important first part of the story. It's not all the story. Sometimes that's all we emphasize during Christmas, this great joy, great joy. You know, hark the herald angels sing. Joy angels to the world, have, the Lord has come. Yeah, yeah, angels we have heard a lot. Exactly. Right. Joy to the world. So there's some discussion as to what the meaning of that joy to the world is. Is it? About Christ's second coming, actually, right. or is it about his first coming? But certainly there's joy uh, on the front end of this uh, Christmas story. So joy is declared. I, I also think when you look at the shepherds and we talk about who they were, it adds to the humble nature in which Christ came. Because you talk about people who most people wouldn't think you would declare through the right. shepherds that right. the Savior of the world had come. But I do think it adds to the humble nature, the uh, the base nature at which Christ came, born in a manger, seen of lowly shepherds. Now, people say, well, he was sown by wise men. These were great men, too. I think, yeah, and I think that's true. But when he was born, the shepherds were the first to see him. Yeah, they, they were the first who got the message. It's, I think this is uh, – um this is compatible with the Old Testament message of the prophets who often declared how the uppity-ups looked down on the down-and-outs, how the uppity-ups religiously mm. and politically um, sort of disenfranchised and, and looked down on those who were poor. They took advantage of them economically, financially, through things like uh, interest and uh, exorbitant interest and right. other things like that. And uh, and so here you have a mentality that basically moves into the New Testament era because Jesus says that. He says, uh, which of your uh, fathers did not mock the prophets, did right. not reject the prophets, not persecute the prophets? And here you have now who gets the message first. It's the down and outs. It's the dirty-handed people. It's the people that you wouldn't think. He didn't go into the courts of the kings or into the courts of the Pharisees. And the temple and the synagogues, he went to the shepherds. Chooses the foolish things to confound the wise. Which says something to us about our attitudes toward gospel ministry, church ministry. Mm. We mentioned this last week. It's worth mentioning again that uh, we tend to do, as James said, take the person with a nice ring, nice clothes. Uh, you take a seat up front here, and right. uh, and that's almost symbolic. It's true that that – we do that, but we also notice them more. That's the point. Right. Whereas God's not a respecter of persons. So joy declared. What about joy disguised? That seems almost antithetical to what we just said. Well, the thing is, although we see in the Christmas story a great deal of, of joy and a great deal of worship, angelic jubilation, personal worship and adoration, that's not – that's not all there is to it, because this joy that should have been true of all the people of God is somewhat disguised. It's disguised, first of all, uh, by and in anonymity. Christ is born in anonymity. His parents have no place to stay. You, that, you know, the, the 
away in a manger, no crib for a bed. You know, it's more than just a cute lullaby. Right. Thou didst leave thy throne and thy kingly crown when thou camest to earth for me. But in Bethlehem, uh, what there was not found room for thee. And the, the, the hymns, O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie among thy deep and uh, deep in sleep, the silent stars go by, and uh, the the point of those is that Christ came in first in anonymity. He was not known except by few. I mean, the shepherds knew. Right. Later, the wise men will know. And word gets around some. We we will see. We have seen Simeon and Anna, certainly Mary and Joseph. They probably don't know the whole story. They understand that he's to be the savior uh, of his people because they've been told that, and they call him Jesus for that reason. Elizabeth had some idea of who he was. But this is the few. It's sort of a, a small circle of ignominious, excuse the big word, right. uh, people, uh, humble people of humble origins and little importance. And so uh, the joy, the full joy of the incarnation, and I like that. We need to think in terms of the birth of Christ as the incarnation of God. And the full joy of the incarnation is is disguised by this anonymity. So there's an anonymity, but you also talk about the tragedy. It's done in tragedy. What do you you mean by that? You know, it's interesting. Um, The world did not know, and the Jewish world did not know what was going on. Only, as we said, only a few people. So the world at large, for whom Jesus died, as we will see in the Gospel of John and other places, that he didn't just die for the Jews, but the Jews didn't even get it. They right. didn't know. I mean, in fact, so much so that when the wise men start inquiring about it, the the religious leaders and those that, uh, in political leaders are starting to question what's going on here. Right. The ones who, who could have known right. but missed it. Um, I remember preaching a message years ago called Don't Miss Christmas, and they did. They missed it. But mm-hmm. uh, the tra- the 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 disguising by tragedy is is illustrated by what happens when the the sages, the wise men, the the uh, uh, go to find the star, which is now over the place where Jesus lays in his home with his parents, and they come to Herod and Herod's court. Herod begins to ask questions because now he thinks he has a rival to the throne. He's sort of a puppet king. He was anyway. fearful anyway. He was a paranoid guy. Yeah, yeah. And he we see that in what happens next, but um but but he's he's fearfully he has a rival to the throne, a king. He misses the point altogether. Uh and the Jewish leaders around him, the rabbis and so forth, they see something of it, but they don't get the whole thing. They just know that there's there is prophecy regarding the coming of the Christ or the Messiah. So that when this is all done, Herod in his paranoia uh, realizes the the wise men, uh, the magi, uh, the sages leave and don't go back to him and tell him they found him. Now he knows he's mocked. He's been deceived. He's been de- he's been uh, left out of the loop, so to speak. And so what does he do? He orders the murder, the mass murder of all Jewish boys at two years and under. So here's Jesus now, evidently at about two years of age. So he makes make sure he doesn't leave any stone unturned. It's a it's a very um, tragic scene. If you've ever seen Jesus of Nazareth, you know something of right. the scene. Uh, that scene alone is probably worth watching the movie because of how vividly it describes this tragedy. So you know we talk about joy 
that's that's antithetical to us humans yeah. of joy. How how can we have joy? I mean, you can read the lament in the Gospels yeah. after the children had been killed, and, right. and people look at that and they go, "That's so unnecessary." What what how what what is joyful about that? And, you know, it's one of the incongruities for us as humans of the of the ways of God. Why would God? Who rules over all allow this, and it was that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet uh, about Rachel and her children uh, and their lives extinguished and the lament that goes with that. So I think th- it also provides us an ability to see the world he came into. And so, which our world is not really too much different. I mean, yeah, we're more modern. We have more modern amenities. We might be more developed, we right. might say, or even more convictional in, in, in our human rights or whatever. But quite frankly, we're not that different. And that's the world that Christ came into to bring joy, to bring joy, right. even amongst tragedy and sorrow and sin. Well, uh, we're going to finish up with that in our fourth point but yeah let's suffice it to say that the full joy of the presence of christ the presence of god in christ is delayed in this tragedy in this humility and anonymity that christ experienced as well well not to get ahead we'll continue on here joy dispersed i think i know what you mean by that but maybe expound on that a little bit well we know that the sages went back to where they came from how much they dispersed the, the gospel message, the truth of the birth of Christ, were not told. But, I mean, they were magi. They were wise men. They were sages. They were uh, – I think we can at least assume that there was something of the message of the birth of the Messiah, of the Jewish Messiah taken with them, how much dispersed. We know that the shepherds, not only the sages, but the shepherds, uh, actually went and made known the, they didn't the, keep it quiet. Yeah, they they made known the news. It's interesting; these lowly shepherds become somewhat evangelistic. We don't. Mm. I mean, we don't know. We don't want to put too much in that. But it was right. something of evangelism because the good news of the birth of Christ, of the incarnation of God, of the Jewish Messiah, and at least a parcel message of what that meant. So they were um, they were clearly ready to disperse the message of the birth of Christ. Uh, I think it's not hard for us to see some of the personal and present-day application here when we – those of us who know Christ, those of us who have had our sins forgiven, those of us who who think upon our own sinfulness, our own worthiness of death and hell and separation from God, to have the gospel declared to us and the gospel – uh, although in our sinful state, often disguised from us because of our blindness, our eyes opened by the word, by the Spirit of God, using the Word of God to bring us to this knowledge of Christ, and this is what we see. And then it's, it's interesting. Just today, I was uh, loading some lumber for a job, and there's a young man that helps me. I say young; he's younger than me, and. He, he's helped me before, and I could tell there's a difference in this guy. He's just his attitude, his helpfulness. Well, today he actually began to, just in his normal conversation, witness for Christ as we were. Mm. I mean, if I'd been a lost person, I'd have been getting to hear something of a testimony of his own salvation, of his trust in Christ. And so we began to have fellowship over that. And that's something of what happens to us. The gospel's either preached or told us by someone. And uh, so God bring shepherds, so to speak, into our lives well, and uses us as shepherds. You think of the spiritual, go tell it on the mountain. Yeah, yeah. 
while shepherds yep. watch their flocks. You know, I, I think of that, and, and there is a real, very real sense in which we should continue what the shepherds did. Yes. Yeah. I mean, if, if, if the shepherds joy, do it, yeah. nothing like what we have in New Testament theology, ecclesiology, and evangelistic um, fervor, nothing of the of what we have yeah, in the They didn't gospel. have all the books on evangelism like we do, yeah, right? And yeah. And they didn't have the how-tos or the uh, any of that. They certainly didn't have New Testament scripture. They had the old. But they had a real experience of Christ and, a, a, and evidently a life-changing one. So, yeah, that, uh, this is uh, the gospel, the joy that is somewhat disguised and partial, as we shall see in a moment, at least being dispersed. So kind of anything here. We've talked about joy declared, joy disguised. Struggle with that tragedy when it's just it's hard to wrap your hands around it, humanly speaking. But I think if we look at who Christ is and what he, he came to do, it makes sense. We look at joy dispersed and how we can emulate that, but you, you use the phrase, and you've already touched on it a little bit because I jumped the gun a little bit, but joy delayed. Right. There's a theological concept that is often uh, taught and talked about when it comes – it's it's almost – it's a, something of an eschatological concept. I'm talking about end times type thinking, and the whole, the whole um, nativity, the whole – Christmas story, as we know it, is is eschatological. In fact, all of Scripture is eschatological. It's it everything's going towards something, right? But but what we see, uh, and some of that's been in our Thanksgiving uh, podcast, and and we'll probably repeat this some more. But there is this tension in Scripture between the now and not yet. Yes, we see that in the concept of joy. To live very long, you'll feel it. Yes, <laughs> it, the joy is there, but it's somewhat muted. Right. It's not all that you think it should be or could be. Well, once uh, you realize your as personally your sinfulness, and then you see that in light of the greater context of the world, your sinfulness and man's sinfulness, right? That really becomes alive to you that that here but not yet type of concept. And, and that concept, especially among reformed. Uh, writers and speakers, that concept of the now and not yet. It's a pretty prominent theme because, for instance, we see it when uh, the writer in the New Testament says, um, I think Paul says, I think it's in Philippians, which says, uh, we do not yet see all things put under his feet. doesn't mean that everything's not under his feet, but it's not evident yet. We don't see that yet. And so there is this this move toward the end so that what we have is explained by the fact that it's not consummated. The consummation of all things has not happened. Christ came the first time incarnate, God-man, to save his people from their sins. We're going to talk more about it the next, in the next podcast, but, um, but it's not complete. We have something to look forward to. The earth is groaning. It groans with us who are the people of God. So when we see the Christmas story, we get some of that. We get that sense of partial but not complete fulfillment. Christ is coming. The second advent is coming. One day, the jo- our joy will be full. It's full now in the sense that we have all that we can have of Christ, but it's not eternally fulfilled. And I think we need to keep that in mind as we rehearse the Christmas story, the Christmas truths, the incarnational truths, that that 
we are great participants in an eschatological process and ultimately will be in an event that culminates in the coming of Christ and eternity with Him. Yeah, I think about our first week in expectation. Now the expectation is somewhat fulfilled, but not yet. Right. That's right. <laughs> and that so the joy, exactly right. yeah. the joy that we can know even now, but knowing that our joy will be fulfilled completely once He comes again. Yes. Absolutely. And the rest of the story illustrates that even more. Absolutely. Well, thanks for joining us, and we will look forward to talking with you next week. Thanks, everyone, so much for joining us today. You can always visit us on the web at crosstalkpodcast.org. Crosstalk is produced by Vision for Living Ministries, a nonprofit organization. This podcast is a free resource, but you can support us financially through our website. For more information on Vision for Living Ministries, visit our website at visionforliving.org, where you will find more great resources. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for Vision for Living or on Twitter at V4L. We also love to hear from our listeners. You can email us anytime at info at visionforliving.org. Be sure to join us next week on Crosstalk, the gospel for today and beyond. Thank you.